This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. What a great Sunday. So good to be here. I'm wearing my, my Muppet sweater today. I feel like I'm wearing, I'm being hugged by a Muppet all day. I'm just, I'm regretting this instantly. I'm so sweating right now. So I have to wring this out. I'll be like a dog and shake it off halfway through the sermon, but... Uh, we're glad you're in church today. Uh, I want to just make one announcement and just echo, thank you so much, Jordash, and uh, put right on the, living life on the edge there. I can just, some of you are waiting for me to fall off the stage one of these Sundays, but uh, next Sunday, uh, child dedication. Really, it's, it's, it's parent dedication. Just a special time to say, you know, our, our children are, are so important and, and so precious, and just take a moment, say, God, we want to just make sure our family knows that God is first in our lives. But we don't advertise guest speakers. I don't know if you noticed that. We don't. We don't advertise guest speakers. Um, we just, you never know who's going to get on this stage. It's not built on the, the talents or the preaching ability of one, but we have a team and we have guest speakers all the time. But I do want to advertise next week, Pastor Nancy Miller is going to be sharing next Sunday. Yeah. And, and I'm thankful because she preaches to me every single day. And uh, I'm a stubborn convert, but she preaches to me. I'm like, you need to unleash that on someone else for a change. And she's going to bring life and hope next week as we focus on uh, families and what God's doing in our church. So next week, I'm excited. I'm going to be amening her next week. And uh, I'm excited you get to experience what I get to experience every single day, usually at 6 a.m. She wakes up and she's preaching. I'm like, why are you awake? God's not even awake. Come on. And um, just God, my mother, and Nancy, the only people are awake, and uh, she's preaching at me, so uh, it's going to be next Sunday. If you have your Bible today, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. You don't have a Bible in a moment. You're going to see it on the screen behind me. We're starting a new series today that we're really excited about. You'll see behind me influencers. I've never heard that term more than in the last couple years. And whether it be on uh, social media or whether it be in culture, there's this term that's come out, influencers. I, there's this one account I follow on Instagram that's like in, influencers in the wild. And I, come on, some of you are guilty of it. I've seen you do it. But they take pictures of themselves, videos in, like, in weird places. Everybody else is having a meal, but they're standing on their table taking a picture of their latte or of their meal in front of certain things, certain bridges and historical sites. And, but influencers, people get paid just to take pictures around the world. That's what they do. That's their job. And uh, that's a job I'd love to have. And I was recently in London, and you see these influencers stopping traffic in the middle of the road to show off a new coat or new boots that they got. And I'm like, man, influencers in the wild But as we unpack this today, we're not talking about Instagram influencers, is we realize that this Bible, this Word of God, is such an influence in our lives. And this book is is a book that when you read it, it actually, science has proven it actually rewires the way you think. And uh, people sometimes say, you go to church and you're getting brainwashed. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need my brain washed from all the negative and the criticism and the, and the mixture and the, and the attitudes and the negativity and haters drinking haterade. Come on, somebody. And, uh, but we want to focus on the verses. If you've been around a church for a while, or maybe you're new, there are certain verses that get quoted all the time. Man, whether you're in prayer meetings or people want to put it on their daily prayer list or you'll see us talk about it in transition and in messages. And 
we thought these are the verses that are the most influential in our faith. They're the most liked, the most mentioned, the most shared, the most talked about, the most prayed. And we thought, let's take these verses and let's unpack them and teach on them. So if you're new in your faith, you can get some of these verses down in your spirit so they'll be a part of you and help strengthen you. And if you have been in church for a while, maybe a new level of revelation and truth that these verses that maybe have influenced you can go to another level in building your faith. And this is going to be an ongoing series. We're going to come in and out of this over the rest of the year, and we're going to unpack some of the most well-known verses of the Bible to help you understand, help me understand as we study these, the depth of what God was saying through his word. Can someone say amen? I'm excited about this. I know this Bible changes you. It changes the way you think, changes the way you act. I realize that sometimes there are things that we think we know, but we don't know the full story. I love sayings. I'm known as one-liner, but I love sayings that I hear. And sometimes you hear sayings, and we use them all the time, but maybe you don't know what they mean. For example, there's this saying that I've heard growing up, and I've even used it. I'm sure you've heard it. It's called turn a blind eye. Have you ever heard that term? Anybody ever heard that term? No one else has heard that term. It's only my Newfoundland mother that used to say it all the time. But what it means is you see something that's a reality, but you choose to ignore it. Maybe it's that kid of yours that they, they, they can do no wrong. Come on, all the teachers in this room deal with parents like this. Not my kid, right? And they know their kid's not perfect, but they turned a blind eye to the behavior because they choose to love them anyway. Going, I'm, I'm going to ignore that they set the dog on fire. I'm going to ignore that they're doing I'm just going to ignore because they are perfect in my eyes. And we turn a blind eye too. I've used that all the time. But maybe you don't know what that saying means and where it came from. I looked it up this week. Did you know that in 1801, there was this famous, famous uh, naval officer named Horatio Nelson. I believe Trafalgar Square is based on him, I believe, uh, in London. But Horatio Nelson was this famous commander in the British fleet. And he was in this battle uh, over Copenhagen, and he was battling the Danish, Danish not the food, the, the, the place, the, the army, uh, the Danish navy. And they were in this battle, and it looked like they were going to lose. At this one key part of the battle, his superior officer on another ship flagged him through signals and signaled him to withdraw and retreat, thinking that they could not win this battle. Horatio Nelson, the, 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 the commander, only had sight in one eye. And as his, as his, as his team were saying, hey, they're, they're, your boss, your commander is signaling you, it says that he put the looking glass up to his bad eye and said, I can't see any signal. And that's where the saying came from, he turned a blind eye too. He went on to win that battle, and it was a turning point in the war, and it was a decisive maritime battle that went down in history books. He turned a blind eye too. So many times in Scripture, we quote Scriptures, we say Scriptures, but sometimes we don't know the full depth or meaning or context. And over this year, we're going to be jumping in and jumping out of this series of influencing, unpacking the Word of God. We want to unpack the Word of God because we believe our goal as a church is not just to hype you up, though we believe that when you serve God, you should be excited. We make no apologies for being loud or passionate or excited. We got stickers on our car, we got coffee in our hand, and we got Jesus in our heart. Amen? We are excited about God. We make no, no, no debate about that. But we also want you to know when you leave here, really your Christian walk starts when you walk out these doors. 
We just don't want something that affects you on a Sunday, that maybe motivates you on a Sunday. We want to help build your relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't need me. You don't need the worship team. That's why it's a personal relationship. We come together and we cheer each other on. We, 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 we convict each other. We, we build each other. But when we walk out, we walk out our faith journey with Jesus. You know, he's with you on Friday night. He's with you on Monday morning. If you live in Moncton and you're shoveling today, he's with you as well. Uh, he, he, he's not with us. Thank God we're not shoveling today. But we want to just build you up. We want to unpack the word of God. Today, let me read our verse for today. A very famous passage that's quoted a lot. Romans 12.1. You'll see it on the screen behind me. We're going to read this verse together. It says, so dear brothers and sisters, that's you, that's me. I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. There's what we say all the time. I want to be a living and holy sacrifice. That word, in church, we sing songs about being a sacrifice. A living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is the way to worship him. I'm going to read verse 2 because we're allowed to. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into the new person by changing the way you think. When you, then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Did you know God has a plan for your life? It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this church. I thank you for every face here. God, we are passionate about your plan for our lives. We pray these next few minutes, God, that we would be stirred. We would be encouraged, Father, to love you at another level. Would you help us, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do today? In the name of Jesus Christ, everybody said... Now, it's been said before, it's okay to be a loud church. I don't know what background you came from. I'm not sure what your expectation is on church. This is the kind of church it's okay to say amen, Kim. On one, two, three, amen, amen, amen. It's okay to say that is good. Some of you could say, go preach white boy. I don't know what you want to say. And some of you say, say, that's good preaching. Whether it is good preaching or by faith you're believing, it'll turn into good preaching. But I just want to encourage you, we, there's something about keeping, uh, keeping uh, being a noisy church. That's why the winning team is always the loudest. That's why the Carolina Hurricanes were loud a couple weeks ago. But <clears throat> no Leaf fans in the room today. No one. All right. But I encourage you, we're a loud church. Can someone say amen? Amen. I, we're excited today. I want to encourage you. Feel free to enjoy this service. Romans 12.1 is a passage about devotion and passion for following Jesus. I can't think of a better verse to start off this series about being excited and passionate about Jesus Christ. This verse, it starts off with, I want to unpack this today. We're going to leave this verse up for a while if you can. It says, give your bodies. Give your bodies. Now, if that doesn't sound like a cult, nothing does. Some of you are like, I knew it. They're too excited. They dress too hip. Susan, get the van. Get the van. Right? Some of you are like, come on, when we start preaching, give your bodies to God, you're like, get the van. Susan, I'll check the kids out. You get the van. You know, right now you're thinking, we, this is why we sit at the back right now. All over the place. Come on, give your bodies to God. That sounds a little freaky to me. Give your bodies to God. What does that mean? What is Paul, who wrote this book, what is he saying by that? It's not just saying, it's not another way of saying, Paul wasn't saying give yourselves or give your life. He wasn't trying to make it so general. He's literally saying, give every part of your physical body. That's what he's saying. Sometimes that's a foreign concept. What he's saying is, the very part of your physical body that you think will fail in following Jesus, that's included in this sacrifice. That's what he's saying. 
He's saying there's parts of you that are more uh, disobedient to God. There are parts of you that you have a hard time lining up. The Bible says the most, most unruly part of the body, some of you think, man, there's parts of my body that doesn't want to follow Jesus. And you can fill in the blank. You know what the Bible says? The most challenging part is the tongue. Isn't it hard not to just say what you want to say? Isn't it hard? The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. That means that God, we're made in God's image. Some of you are like, I know I am, right? Some of you think you're too much in God's image. But he says we're made in his image. God is a creator. When he spoke, the world went into existence. And we're made in his image. That means there's powers in our words. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. You know exactly what I'm talking about. There's people in your life. You know when you walk into them, when you see them, you're going to leave. With more joy, more hope. More, you, you can't wait. When you see them across Superstore, you make a point to go to them. Then there's those other people. If you're sitting next to one, don't look at them right now. But you know those people that you, when, you, when you get around them, it's like they, they, take, they put a, a puncture in your tire. You just get around them, and it doesn't matter how your week was. By the end of it, you feel deflated. They're talking about coronaviruses and economics and the Dow Jones dropping. They're talking about the price of cereal. They're talking about gasoline. They're talking about politics. They're talking about what they're not feeling well. And by the end of it, you're like, oh, dear God, is anything good in this world? <laughs> Isn't there power in our, what we say? The Bible says what Paul's saying here is when, you says, when he says, uh, give your whole body, give your bodies, what he's saying is if whatever part of your body, of your life, of your actual body, it all belongs to God. That's what he's saying. Paul makes two points in these scriptures of speaking the human nature. In verse 1, it's about your bodies. In verse 2, he goes into your mind. He wanted to make sure he covered our entirety of our human nature. In verse 1, he's like your bodies, every part of your body. Parts that have a hard time following Jesus and the ones that have an easy time. It all belongs to God. When we sacrifice, when we give him our lives, you need to give him your whole body. He also goes on and says you got to give him your thoughts. He says the way you think because it trans let him transform your mind because I know if I'm left to my thoughts, they're negative. I think, about what, what, I think about people that don't like me. I think about the things that aren't going well. And the Bible says that give him your body and your mind. But we don't do this sometimes. We often segregate. We often compartmentalize what we give to God. Am I the only one that does this? We, we compartmentalize. We segregate. We, we say, well, I'm going to give him this, but I, I can't give him this. Either he doesn't want it or I don't want to give this part of my life or my body. We do this for two reasons of our strength. We like to excuse of the, the, the giving or the sacrificing of parts of our body that is weak. We're like, man, I'll give my money, I'll, gi I'll give my time, but man, I, just, I, I just like that part of my life that it just feels good. And I, I don't know if I can control that. I've been living a certain way for so long. I don't know if I can rein that in part of my life. That part of my life, you fill in the blank. That part of my life is just, it's too ingrained in me. It's not strong enough to, I, I can get that part of the body there Sunday, but I can't make it behave on Saturday night. I can't make it control on Friday. I can't control it on Monday at the workplace. And we segregate. We either do it because we think it's weak, or we segregate it based on current culture. I've realized that culture changes. Have you realized that yet? It's up and down. Culture is not the same. And usually, Culture goes to the lowest common denominator. It rarely goes to the highest level. But I think culture changes. In my lifetime, the culture has changed if eggs are good or bad for you a hundred times. <laughs> Have you realized this yet? Some diet comes out, Dr. Oz or Dr. Dorothy or someone comes out, 
And they're like, eggs are bad for you. And all of a sudden, every diet is banning eggs. Like we're avoiding that part of the grocery store because it's just bad. And then someone, some medicine magazine or some diet guru comes out and goes, okay, but only the white part is good of the eggs. And you're like, oh, or the yellow part. Something like, no, it's the yellow part. Only one part of the egg is good. And we then segregate the egg. And then another thing, the protein of an egg is so healthy. It's so, you have to avoid meat. And we're like, I thought meat was good for us. No, no, you can't have hormones in your meat. We got to have free range. And these are basically just chickens wandering the world. And we just hunt them down. And we got to get free range hens. And, and then all of a sudden, no, that's bad for you, but milk's good for you. Then now milk's bad for me. But soy milk's good for you. But soy milk is plants. And they're genet genetically modified. They have, they're just, there's nothing good for you except water. <laughs> but not just water. It has to be from a, a hill in France that monks have protected with their life. They don't go near it. Have you realized this yet? Everything changes. Fish is good, fish is bad. McDonald's is always bad, but it's so good. <laughs> Even the salads at McDonald's are good. Here's what I've realized. Sometimes we segregate based on culture, going, well, well, you know, like, it's, you know, culture says this part, you know, like, you should live this way with this part of your life, your body, your mind. That's why we believe the Bible. See, people criticize the Bible, saying it doesn't change. It's old-fashioned. That's why we live the Bible. It's constant. It's solid. Listen, this Bible is not something to pick and choose from. We believe, honestly believe it's not a starting point. It is a blueprint. It is a manual for your life, for your relationships, for your spirituality, for your finances, for your physical health, for how you deal with people. This book, it does not change. You can build on it. You can't build on things that change. That's why when they build these bridges from PEI to New Brunswick, they got to go down to something that doesn't change because waves come and go. Sand gets uh, uh, shifted and moves, but they go, I got to go down to some bedrock. I got to go down to something solid. That It doesn't matter if it's winter or high tide or hurricane or typhoon. I need to build on something that ain't going to move. And so many times we build on culture that comes and goes. Even in church culture, well, we're this kind of church and that kind of church. I want to remind you, the reason why we segregate parts of our lives is either we think it's too weak that we can't give it to Jesus, that we can't make it, or number two, we believe that current culture. I want to get news for you today. You are too weak to follow Jesus. Isn't that so encouraging? Some of you want to Instagram that right now. I'm too weak to follow Jesus. These are my confessions, you know. Some of you shouldn't have got that, right? The only ushers you know are at the back of the room right now. <laughs> Can I encourage you? You are too weak to follow Jesus. That's why we need help. And last week, moving sidewalks. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us because it is impossible. You're saying, it's impossible to live this book. It is impossible. There's no hope in following God's plan for your life outside of God's power. God would never give you his plan without his power. I want to remind you today that if you feel like there's a part of your life that's too weak to give your body or your mind or your life to Jesus, you are right. But that's why we come and say, God, we can't do this on our own. Religion says, I will earn it. I will make it. I will beat myself into submission and make me follow Jesus. But the Bible says, no, 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 just give your life and let Jesus, let the Holy Spirit help strengthen you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that helps us follow him. That's what we believe today. Give your bodies to God. If it's a part of your life, it's a part of you. God wants you to give it today. That's why Christianity, people say it's a, it, it, you know, it's just, it's just hype. No, it's hard. People, if, if Christianity is easy, if you think Christianity is easy, you don't have Christianity. 
You have something else. It is hard. It is difficult. But I've realized in life that there's something worthy and worth it in following Jesus. This is not an easy walk. Can someone say amen? But there's life in it and there's hope in it. Your relationships are better. Your future is secure. God has a plan for your life. Thank God that he calls us and thank God that he helps us. We give all our dreams. We give, I give him my dreams. I also give him my disappointments. I give him my talents, the only one or two that I have. You want to know what only talent I have is? It's huge with kids, not so much with adults. Some of you are so talented, you play more, more, more instruments. We have a talented team around us. The least talented people are pastors in this church. To be a pastor in this church, you need no talents. But we give our talents to God. We also give our temptations. Some temptations, you're going, I, I struggle, I struggle. And you know it's not pleasing to what God wants. And he loves you despite your failures. He loves you despite your temptations. But he also wants us to give it to him. He wants us to give us our dreams and our disappointments. He wants to give our talents that we shine on spotlights and our temptations we hide in the darkness. He wants it all today. It says, the next part of the verse says, because of all he's done for you. Because all he has done for you. Another, another version, back in verse 1, Jeremy. It says, it says here, it says, because of all he has done for you. Another version says, it's your reasonable service. The New King James says, your reasonable service. When you read that, the word reasonable usually means a compromise. It's like, well, let's just be reasonable right now. Like, you don't need to be extreme, just be reasonable. Just like, we don't need to go, we were just, I was just negotiating for something on behalf of the church, and we're going back and forth with stuff and prices, and finally the person came back and said, how is this price? Is this a good price? I went back and said, that's a fair and reasonable price. That's what reasonable, in my mind, in, in the English language, reason means, well, you know, it's, it's fair, it's, it, it's enough, it's reasonable. If you're paying for a car, you go, okay, they need to make some money as a dealership, but, but I don't want to get gouged. That's a reasonable markup of a price. If you're asking someone to help you with something, go, listen, I can't help this amount of time, but I can give you Thursday nights at 7. Okay, that sounds reasonable. But the original language of this verse, Greek, it did not mean that. Here's what it means. It means because of the reason of what God's done in your life, you are able to give everything you had. His reason, his life, Jesus' sacrifice, his commitment, his passion for us, because of that reason, because of that why, I am able to give all that I have. Because of what he's done, I go all in. The reason of God's goodness is the ability and the able in my life to follow Jesus. Make no mistakes, if you understand what God has done for you, when I realize what he's done for me, I just don't give him what is moderate, what is acceptable, what is just not too extreme, not too overboard. I actually, when I understand what he's done for my life, I am able to give my whole body to Christ, my whole mind. My friends, we are all in. And what parts of me that aren't all in, the Holy Spirit's helping me go all in. Why? Because when I actually start to understand what Jesus has done for me, forgiven me, the Bible says we were all born far from God. There's nothing that will satisfy like God in your life. You were born to be connected to God. If you ever feel like you're lost, you ever feel like something's missing, it's not a new car, it's not more followers on social media, it's not a bigger paycheck, it's not a guy or a girl in your life. It literally is a God-shaped hole in your life because you were made for him. 
And when I realized that he said, you can't get to me, it's too far, I'm going to do whatever I can, and I'm going to cross the heavens and time and that depth of sin, I'm going to come to you, which we celebrate every Easter. Because of that reason, I'm able to say, I follow you with my whole life. Because you went all in, and you were extreme, and you were over the top, and because you were obsessive and possessive and loved me so much, I am able to give my life, my whole body. That's what that means. Reasonable sacrifice. For this reason, we are compelled. We are motivated. We are determined. We are able. Reasonable. Reason, we are able to go after God. A living sacrifice, the Bible says. The next part of that same verse says, a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they had sacrifices. And basically what it means is God is good, but God is also just. People want to focus on the goodness of God like it's a grandparent. You know what grandparents do? All they do is spoil kids. They don't give any rules. My mother, I can't believe she's the same grandparent to my kids as she was the mom to me. I tell stories to my kids. You know Nana used to beat me? Now don't get offended. That's back in the day when you beat your kids. My mom had one of those ping pong things, those little, you know, those little stick with the ball and the string, doing, 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 doing. She used to cut the string off, leave the staple in, and that's what she beat me with. She used to hit me where the good Lord split me, I'll tell you. Some of you are offended by that. No, no, no. I won't even go there right now. But, but that same woman, you got to be in bed, you got to do your homework. No, you cannot go out with that girl. You know, she's trouble, she's bad news. That's the same woman that when my kids sleep over, there's no bedtime, there's no vegetables. The closest they get to fruit is fuzzy peaches, the candy. They're up all hours of the night. They're on, they're on social media. They're watching TV. I don't know what goes on. She tucks herself and leaves the kids up till 3 in the morning. I'm like, who are you? Sometimes we think God's more of a grandparent. We think he's so good. He is good, but he's also just. And when Adam and Eve, when man fell in sin, he said ne- the scales are off balance. There's, there's sin. There's been, there's been a falling away. There's been, there's been a movement away. We need to correct this. He said there needs to be something to pay for that. And that's why they started sacrificing animals. He said, I love people. We don't sacrifice people. We've, there's got to be a justice. There's got to be a, something has to cost. Something, because you died. Something has to die to bring you back into right standing. And it was animals. I'm so thankful we don't do that anymore. We kill animals, but we put them on the barbecue. That's another reason, right? Come on. And we eat them with steak sauce. But we don't do it to get right with God. Jesus came and said, no, no, once and for all, I'm going to pay a debt I don't owe for a people that have a debt they cannot pay. And he says, I will be the sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Sacrifices always are known for being clean. If you look at the Old Testament, they always were the unblemished sheep or the, the animal that had no spot. That's why the Bible says in another verse that my church would be there spot or wrinkle. Some of you take that literally, and that's why there's Botox, right? But we say no spot or wrinkle. But he said, I want my sacrifice to have no spots on it. So when you brought an animal to be sacrificed, it couldn't be the one that, that would never sell at market or we'd never eat that. It's like that brown part of the banana. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you never, so this is kind of like the, the least of the litter. Let's give this to God. He goes, no, no, no. I want the most pure, the most clean, the most perfect. That's what a sacrifice had to look like. The second thing a sacrifice had to look like, it had to be first. If it was a, 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 a produce offering, you were a farmer, you gave the first part of your, uh, of, your, of your harvest. 
If it was corn, it wasn't, let me pay the bills, let me feed the kids, let me go buy a new tractor. It's like, no, no, the first part, God, I give this. Why? Because I want you to show your priority in my life. I realize that you are my source, and I sacrifice the very best. If it was animals, it was the first of the herd. It was the, the firstborn. That's why Jesus, Jesus being born, it says his only son, he gave his best. A sacrifice always was un, unblemished, and it was first. It's amazing that it says living sacrifice. Now, in this verse, living sacrifice is a game changer. Because in the Old Testament, they would take a, an animal and they would kill the animal and then they would take it to an altar like this. We'll make this an altar today. Don't you love our high-grade production today? We spent hours building this, this set today. Hours on this illustration. What usually goes in here? Lights, cables, bread? Lights? Oh, you're right there. You're like, God, you're everywhere. Okay. Today, this is going to be an altar. We altered it. I'm sorry. I killed that joke. I'm back. All right. They would kill an animal and then take it to an altar, usually made of stone, usually five or six feet high. It wasn't just a little, little step. It was actually significant. They would put wood on it. They'd build it a certain way. Then they'd carry the animal over and put it on the altar. The Bible says here in Romans 12:1 that we are to be a living sacrifice. That changes everything when he says living. Here's the problem with living sacrifices. They don't stay where you put them. We have a dog now. We don't sacrifice our dog. We love our dog. But we always say sit and stay, and he rarely does, right? Because the problem is they have a free will, and they move around. Don't get on the coach. Don't jump on company, right? Why? Because they don't stay where you put them. See, dead sacrifices stay where you put them. Living ones look a little different. The Bible says that we are actually, this could go bad, okay. Careful, Brad. I'm good. I'm good. I am on cold medicine, so this could go awesome, by the way. Making you nervous, Brad? Yeah. The Bible says that we present ourselves as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. There's this picture in our mind that, 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 that we actually build the altar for which we sacrifice. It's a game changer. See, we're a living sacrifice. The Bible says that that's why you're born again. When, when God comes in your life, he gives you life. See, every other sacrifice demands that part of your life dies. We're actually saying no when he brings us to life. But as a living sacrifice, we lay, oh God, help us right now. We, this is fantastic. I've seen preachers sit down in church, but I think I'm onto something right now. <laughs> Laying down in church. A living sacrifice. Here's the problem with living sacrifices. We put ourselves in this altar. It's not too long until we get bored. I've never, thank you. <laughs> I guarantee whoever said that isn't white, and that's why it's appropriate. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. If you're listening by podcast right now, just know it's appropriate and awesome. <laughs> I've never looked at the ceiling before. It's amazing how we get bored. Living sacrifices, their attention span doesn't last that long. There's a projector right there that we never use. We bring our own projector because it wasn't big enough or hype enough, so we have another projector. Does that light work, Brad, right there? We've never, I don't think we've ever turned that on. We get distracted. We get bored and we get distracted, and all of a sudden we start start looking at things over here, and we start getting bored. I'm, going, I'm, just, I'm still on the altar, folks. 
This, this, this feels as awkward as it looks, trust me. <laughs> I got new boots. See that? I'm still on the altar, but I'm starting to lose my attention span. My lower back is starting to seize up right now because I'll be 45 soon. And then we start to get distracted. Don't, don't, stay right there, Brett. I'm coming to you. Where are you? No, 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 don't, don't. I'm still on the altar. I'm also close to the edge. Don't move, Brett. I'm going to see if I can get a run on. You ready? Oh, I'm still on the altar. I'm still on. This is Titanic right now. You complete me, Brad. That was actually a Tom Cruise movie, wasn't it? That wasn't King of the World. There we go. I can't stay here much longer. What happens if I turn this? Living sacrifices start to get distracted. Start to get bored. I'm still on the altar. I'm just going to go over here for a bit. Oh, hi, Jordash. You guys don't trust me at all. They saw me take some NyQuil before I started preaching. And... Oh, yeah. Brad thinks I'm done. All right. It was only a light, Brad. I thought it was a guitar. Why am I out of breath? Here's the problem with living sacrifices. We don't stay where they get put. I don't know about you, but sometimes in my walk, I feel like I come in on a Sunday, and I'm like, God, take my whole life. The disappointment I had with that person this week, that conversation didn't go the way I thought it was. I thought I deserved better. That part of my body, that part of my mind that is weak to temptation. And I give it all on Sunday morning. I'm like, God, I believe you can help me. But then somewhere around Wednesday, I start getting distracted. Man, I, could, I, I don't know, that looks like the grass is greener over there. That person, why are they off their altar? I thought they were more spiritual than me. I always looked up to them. If they're off their altar, maybe I can sort of, I, I'm within touching distance of it. I know where to find you. I'll be there Sunday, but I'll, I'll, I'll come back. In fact, you know, I'm just going to bring it with me. And, you know, so if anybody looks, I'm on my altar. Start to distract and get a little bored. And Pastor Mike, how you doing? Um, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. I'm just going to go back where we were on Sunday. Come back in. Living sacrifices changes everything. Here's the thing about living sacrifices. This is the power of our faith. Living sacrifices choose to follow. See, that's the difference here. Some people get upset. I'll just use our church. Some people get upset. I wasn't at church for two weeks and no one called me. Um, I, I'm, like, they, they, don't, they don't make me, like, I don't think they care that I left or I wasn't there. No, I've just been around too much religion that we, we equate butts and seats with laying on the altar. And I've realized it's not here I need to be on the altar, it's out there. We choose to follow Jesus. That's why this is, the greatest freedom we have is choice. But then we are slave to our choices. 
And I choose today to put myself, the Bible says, I plead with you to give your bodies because of what he has done for you, because of the reason of the cross, that we are able to be a living sacrifice. I choose to sacrifice my life. It's not your parents, it's not your grandparents, it's not your church. It's I choose. As a pastor, I am no more spiritual than you, and most of you know that already. But I have to daily go, I choose that part of my body, those parts of my body that are weak, the parts of my personality, the temptations in my mind, those attitudes, those thoughts. I have to sacrifice it daily. And the biggest fight of my life is not against people, it's about staying on the altar. Because sometimes it's too difficult, it's uncomfortable, it gets a little hot up there. Stay on the altar. It's the difference between want to and have to. Religion says you have to. Following Jesus is a want to. Jesus didn't say, wrestle people and say, follow me. He said, follow me, and he kept walking, and you had a choice at that moment. Do I follow or not? I heard this story about this. Did you see this young man in Quebec this week? He won the 70 million. I think it was 70 million in the lottery. Did you see that? Anybody see that story? How many dealt with lust and covetousness in that moment? I did. I'm like, I don't play the lottery, but I wouldn't be opposed to someone else playing for me. You know, like... I was like, man, and this kid, this young man, he, he looked like he was 20, 20, I don't know how old he was, but he bagged groceries at a supermarket, and he won the lottery. $70 million, that's like twice my salary. <laughs> that is a joke. <laughs> What's the first thing he did? He quit his job, because he bagged groceries. Now, what he's saying in that moment which we all knew, is he's like, that job was a have to, not a want to. You ever see somebody, I ask this question, what would you do if, if you had $20 million? And a lot of them, the first thing I'd do is quit my job. And I'd buy this, and I'd go on this trip, and I'd buy this person a house, and I'd do, cool. And you ever meet somebody? I'm like, would you give up your job if you, no, I'd still do it. Some of you are in a place maybe that you don't need to work financially, but you're still passionate. They retire, then they go back to serving at that job. What they're saying is, I don't do this because I have to. Maybe at one point in my life, I had to pay bills, but I'm actually here because I want to. We say this. We're not in this for the money. I drive a Civic, people, and you know what I'm talking about, right? If we, if we were given millions of dollars, we would still pastor and build church. Why? Because it's a, a want to. What this is saying is when you choose as a living sacrifice, what you're saying is I don't have to do this. I want to. See, dead sacrifices have no choice. They're on the altar. Living sacrifices going, I don't have to. I don't have to. I can walk out that door and never look back and live my life and sacrifice nothing except to the altar of self. But when you put yourself on the altar saying, I want to, and that is the game changer in this verse, which leads to the acceptable, perfect, amazing will of God in your life. Living sacrifices is we choose to. You're free to follow whoever you choose. When you, sac when you give a living sacrifice, I, I, I choose Jesus. We aren't dead in our sin. We aren't giving ourselves to pay a price. That's not why we sacrifice. We don't sacrifice ourselves, our, our bodies, our minds, our thoughts, our lives. We don't sacrifice our schedules to follow Jesus to pay a price to earn our way to heaven. He paid it. We do it at a response that he is unbelievably good to us. And how could we not, at a response, give everything we have? That's what marriage is. Is I give you my life and I'm so overwhelmed by this love. It's not I have to marry you. It's not an arranged marriage. It's I, I want to follow you. I want to marry you too. That's what we are in. That's why the church is called the bride of Christ. Not the slave of Christ. We choose to follow Jesus. Romans 12.1. It's a statement of gratitude for what Jesus has done. Are you thankful this morning? 
I'm so thankful that he's forgiven me for my sin. I'm so thankful I've never been lonely in my life since I've known Jesus. Think about that statement for a moment. I've been disappointed. I've been hurt. I've been angry. I've been a lot of things, but I can honestly say I've never dealt with lonely. Why? Because he says he'll never leave me nor forsake me. I don't have a God-sized hole in my life. Why? Because Jesus paid the price. Jesus was the bridge. He stretched his arms on the cross and made a way where there was no way. Because of that, I'm so thankful. I have so much gratitude. But Romans 12.1 is also a statement of devotion from us. It's a thankfulness for Jesus, but it's a statement in response going, because of what he's done, because of that reason, because of his sacrifice, because of his passion for me, I'm making a statement today that with my life, I will follow him with all that I have. That's what Romans 12.1 is. When we read that verse, dear brothers and sisters, dear Nova, I plead with you to give your bodies, your talents, and your temptations, your dreams, and your disappointments to God. Because of all he has done for you, because of that reason, you are able to do this. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. That means it's unblemished. You don't give God your leftovers. God, I'll give them Sunday morning. Yeah, I'll just give them that. No one does anything cool on Sunday morning. I'll give them Sunday. No, no, I'll give you the best. I think about you on Friday nights. I think about you on Monday mornings. I think about you. I give my life then. I also give them the first. That's why we dedicate our kids. We're saying, God, we're so thankful. God, we want you to be first in our kids' lives. And I choose to follow. I don't have to because I'm on a dream team of this church because I put Christian on my Instagram profile. I don't do it because of my parents' religion. I do it because I choose. And this is truly the way to worship him. Romans 12.1. It's thanking God for what he's done. And it's a decree that we will respond with extravagant uh, worship of our lives. Amen. All over this place, can we stand to our feet today? With every head bowed just for a moment, maybe you walked in here today and you're a guest. Maybe you've been coming for a while and you're like, I, I don't know Jesus. I haven't given my life to Jesus. I know of church. I know of religion. I know some of this you're talking about, but I can honestly say I haven't given my life to Jesus Christ. Excuse me. Like there is a God-shaped hole in my life. I, I don't feel close to God. I feel like God's like a celebrity. I know a lot about him, but I don't personally know him. God's more of a public figure that you follow around from time to time and get updates from, but you don't know. You might like a few things that he's doing, but you don't feel like you have a conversation with him. You don't know him. The Bible says that we can know God. It says if we confess with our mouth, we're saying, hey, you're God, you made me, you can save me, you can help me. And you believe in your heart going, I know you're God. And I know this is truth. And I know that there's a way to heaven, that heaven is real and there is a choice and I can follow you. It says a miracle starts to happen. When you call him Lord, you're saved. Saved from a life of insulation. Saved from a life of isolation. Saved from a life of despair, saved of a life of disconnecting from God. And a miracle starts to happen as you follow him and give your life to him. Your dreams and your disappointments, your temptations and your talents. A miracle happens. If you say, Mike, I don't know Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three in a moment. Put it right back down. We're going to pray today. And believe today a miracle will happen. That, that, that hole in your life will be filled, not with church, not with a preacher, 
but with the presence of God that never leaves you. That loneliness is no longer the issue because the God that made you is the God that's with you. With every head bowed, if that's you on the count of three, just raise your hand and put it right back down. One, two, three. Put your hand right up, put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Put it right back down. Anyone else? I'll give one more minute. Anyone else? Thank you. Can we pray together today? Let's repeat this prayer after me. If you raised your hand, I want you to say this prayer. Worship team, say it with me. But also as a church, let's say it together today. A prayer of just declaring that God is good. Say, Lord Jesus, I love you. I love you. Today I give you my life. Today I give you my life. I choose to believe that you're God. I choose to believe that you're God. And I believe that you're for me. And I believe that you're for me. Would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for my sin? Would you lead me in my life? Would you lead me in my life? As I follow you. As I follow you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, would you fill this card out that we gave you when you walked in? It says, I committed my life to Christ. And take it to the welcome wall. That big wall when you came in. We have a special gift for you. We want to celebrate today of you starting a relationship with the God that loves you. Amen. We're going to sing this song together. Can we worship one more time, Matt? Let's sing this song together all over this place. Thanking God for what he's done, but our response to who he is. Amen. Let's worship together.